BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Good morning, millennials. Welcome back to the morning toast. Happy Friday. Hey, Claude, HYD. Good morning, Jackie. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Ben literally, like, we woke up at the same time. He, like, rolled over and he whispered in my ear. He was like, it's Friday, Friday. It's honestly crazy what, like, cultural impact that idiotic song had on me and an entire generation. Yeah, no, it was a moment for sure. For sure. But like, it also is Friday and I'm excited that it's Friday, even though we're still in quarantine, like the weekends are starting to feel more and more legitimate. Real. And I really just like, I'm so excited to sleep in. I can't even tell you and just watch Potomac all day, all night. So I have like a great weekend ahead of me and I'm ready to embark on it. There was, like, a period in quarantine where we were doing our show, like, much later, um, like, live at noon. So I really wasn't waking up to, like, 10, 30, 11. But now that we're pre-recorded this week especially, we've tried to do earlier shows because people seem to like it. So I'm exhausted. Yeah. No, I agree. Like, this was the first week where I fell asleep, like, when I went to sleep, you know? I didn't yeah. just, like, lay there contemplating the Earth's biggest questions. Same. No, and I've been going to bed at, like... 10 30 it's like it's I've been on a like strict regimen it's like there's a bravo usually from 9 to 10 and then 10 10 to 10 30 is watch what happens live and then boom I'm asleep like I cannot believe how early I feel like a grandmother oh that's really early I've been going to sleep around midnight last night was 12 30 because I stayed up to finish season two of Real Housewives of Potomac I have like a frog in my throat Mm -hmm. um I have to watch the reunions which I'm really excited about and then I'll be on season three so hopefully but next time you see me I'll be on season four Wow, that's crazy. It's crazy what can happen in a weekend, you know? It's crazy what can happen in a weekend. Um, so we have a great show. Real, I have to make a correction. Real Housewives of New York was on last night, and I'm so sorry for spreading misinformation. It's been very confusing for Bravo. Like, no real statement as to, like, why they're delaying. Um, I actually read on, like, some Bravo groups that so much of their production, their future production is delayed because of COVID. So they're kind of just like spreading out the fresh content that they still have. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but it made a lot of sense. So I apologize. There was a real episode, an episode of Real Housewives in New York, and we will be recapping it in our TV recap segment along with some other things. Um, we have Fast Five, some good, some bad, some very sad stuff, but some happy stuff. Yeah, actually, I think I, we have some good, I mean, I think there's just like one sad news story that hurts my heart, but the rest is uh, relatively good news, I think. So um, I'm excited about that. I actually, I like the idea of Bravo spreading out their content so that when the time comes, when the drought of coronavirus 2020 occurs, that we are prepared. So I'm, I'm okay to wait a few weeks, even though I will miss, I will miss my shows. 
Yeah, even though like I was really not looking forward to Real Houses of New York, but I'm glad we're going to recap it because I actually have a lot of thoughts and it wasn't necessarily the worst episode I'd ever seen. Did you watch last week's episode? Yes. I, I, we have to talk about last week's episode. I was in shock. I've never seen a more dysfunctional dinner and like not in a cool, interesting way, like in a what is happening way. We'll get into it. We have so much to recap. So I think we should start. Oh, also, if you haven't listened to the latest episode of The Redheads, it is available now. We are recapping Codename Helene. And if a little historical fiction is not your speed, get started on the newest Redheads book, which is I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings by Maya Angelou. Um, and then speaking of books, um, today is Friday, which means we are going to be highlighting a black business, which um, we spoke about last week, uh, why we're going to start doing that. And so in the... in. Uh, in conjunction okay with the redheads episode um we're going to be highlighting a black owned bookstore called loyalty bookstores they're based in dc they have i know why the cage bird sings along with tons of other books that you can read about and learn about yeah like i said they're based in dc you could shop online it's loyaltybookstores.com um the founder hannah oliver depp is a black and queer bookseller who has spent her career working to diversify the book industry in order for it to better serve the powerful communities of color and queerness they aim to be the mid-atlantic's neighborhood spot for one for wonderful books and unique stationary gifts and programming um so like i said you could shop loyaltybookstores.com they do have i know why the caged bird sings but they also have tons of other books if you're not doing the redheads or you're just looking for books um it's a great way to spend that coin so loyaltybookstores.com is where we got um i know why the caged bird sings our physical copies because i read it on the kindle but I've, i've started ordering physical copies of all of the books that we choose so that i can have a collection and also so i can take photos for Instagram. So I ordered this one from Loyalty Books and it's great. If you guys okay. have any recommendations or any of our listeners are black business owners, please email us. You can reach us at hello at morningtoastshow.com. If you want us to include your business, all you got to do is email us hello at morningtoastshow.com or you have a recommendation. We would greatly appreciate it. So let's yeah. do it. Okay, without further ado, let's get into the fast five stories that you need to know before you wake up and take a bite out of your morning toast first story of the day the big news of the day matt james is the new bachelor get ready ladies matt james is looking for love the bachelor announced matt james who is 28 as its next leading man making him the franchise's first ever black male lead rachel Lindsay made history as the first black female lead of the abc franchise for season 13 on friday morning good morning america announced james's new history making role with a statement from abc saying they're quote privileged to have matt as the first black bachelor quote we know we have a responsibility to make sure the love stories we're seeing on screen are representative of the world we live in and we are proudly in service to our audience the statement read this is just the beginning and we will continue to take action with regard to diversity issues on this franchise we feel so privileged to have matt as our first black bachelor and we cannot wait to embark on this journey with him okay i have three points go one um it's important to note that they're not skipping Claire's season. It's going to be Claire's season, and then no one from Claire's season is getting chosen. It's just automatically Matt in January. So for those wondering, I thought the same thing because, like, Claire is just, like, so unlu- unlucky that, that, like, that just would happen to her. I was – what I actually – I was wondering, and I thought that she was just going to be skipped over, but I'm glad that you clarified that. Thank you. 
two is important. Like, of course, this is fabulous, but it only is going to be fabulous if like everyone watches it because ABC, of course, they claim to be diverse, but at the end of the day, they're just after the bottom line, you know? Right. So if something doesn't perform well, they're not going to do it again. So it's important that everyone watch this season because it's one thing for them to like make a step in the right direction. But if this is like, like when they gave it to Rachel and then they never had an, another diverse lead, it's like, you're not really moving forward. So it's important that everyone watches it. We will be recapping it. I think the Snatcher yes. will be too. Um, it's just important that everyone watches it. So that's what- Yes, we'll be watching it and recapping it. So the follow. third thing, the third thing I wanted to say is like, what did Mike Johnson do wrong? Like, I think it's crazy that they're having a lead who's never been on the show before. Um, and of course, these are unprecedented times, but it's like they went so far out of their way, not once, but twice to not give it to Mike Johnson, who the people seem to really like. Like, I see a lot of comments, people rallying around him. And I know that there's been like rumors that he's like weird, but Peter was weird too. Like everyone yes. is a little weird. So it's like, why are they going so far out of their way not to choose Mike Johnson? They're literally choosing technically like a stranger to the franchise, even though he's Tyler C's best friend. He's never been on the franchise before. I just feel like what's going on? Why aren't they choosing Mike Johnson? Yes, I feel the same way. And even though I think Mike Johnson would have been a great choice, we did discuss how in Paradise, like there was obviously something weird with him when he stepped onto the beach. Like he was so many people's like first choice. And then he didn't really romantically link with anyone, which made me think like he's just kind of weird. But or even, there's but there's a, a lid for every pot. And just because he might be a little socially awkward doesn't mean that he can't be The Bachelor. But no, I, maybe, do, I do like that The Bachelor, they always say that they're going to do this where they're just going to pick someone who, who's not related to the franchise yet. They're like, they used to say they're getting Khloe Kardashian to be The Bachelorette or like Amy Schumer. And so I actually like that they're just starting clean slate, Matt James. Like, I think a lot of us have gotten to know his personality from Tyler C's content and he seems like a great guy. And so I'm completely here for this choice, but I agree it, they... They are purposely have not chosen Mike Johnson yet again. Um, but I think this is a fabulous choice. So I'm not going to harp on, on that. Well, I'm going to harp just like for one more minute because it's just confusing. And I understand like he walked on the beach in paradise and was like a little socially awkward, but in my mind, I think that he thought he had a real chance of being the bachelor and didn't want to get into a relationship and then like maybe have to break up with someone like Nick did. Like I thought, I think that he thought it was still a possibility and didn't want to ruin his chances. And I just can't stress enough. It's like anyone who's on TV and looking for love is going to come off weird. Like I can't stress enough. Like, okay, so they thought Mike was too weird. So they gave it to Peter, who is the definition of weird. Like, have you ever seen his TikTok? No. Like, here's the thing. He didn't, Mike didn't even do anything weird. It was just just putting things together. Like the fact that when he came down to the beach, like so many girls were floored. When it came down to it, like nobody actually had a connection with him. The same way I felt about Ben Z. When he went to paradise, but I was ben like, Z's oh my God. Guy. I was like, oh my God, game over. No, there was something weird about him because no one- No, I disagree. Be. Yes, no. It's, There's it's so just, much that goes on like behind the scenes. Like you have no idea why nobody clicked with Mike Johnson. I just think- He's and you know what? It's like they, they said they're they're catering to their audience. Like the audience is not that I'm at all unhappy with Matt James. We've actually met him. He's so nice and so handsome. But I'm just curious, like why they're going so far out of their way to like not give it to the obvious choice. I think that they're just starting fresh. Like okay. Matt James is is like kind of this person 
personality within Bachelor Nation now without ever having been on the show. I think a lot of people are interested in him and, you know, obviously love Tyler C. And so I think, I actually think that this is a, a choice that really we're moving forward with the Bachelor franchise, not just moving backwards, picking the person who didn't get picked the last time. And apparently there was a reason he didn't get picked. Okay. I mean, I would have been happy point. with Mike Johnson as well. And like, there was just all that stuff. Remember like the Demi Lovato comment and like, oh my God. Yeah. He was doing like weird stuff, but he was, I don't know, like he was famous. Like, and he was excited, you know, even though him yeah. asking Kiki Palmer out on TV was like not acceptable, but still, I'm just, I'm curious, like what's really going on behind the scenes as it pertains to Mike Johnson, because he really, not only now, but also when they were choosing for Peter's season, like he seemed like the obvious choice both times. Yeah. But I guess they're just trying to shake it up. And I, I'm here for that. Me too. Matt James is going to do a good job. Like he's super cute. He was supposed to be on Claire's season, but then decided he was not going to be on Claire's season. There was like like drama between them. She like tweeted something shady towards him because he was doing cameos before the seasons premiered. And she was like, if you're doing cameos and stuff before, like you even go on the show, you're not here for the right reasons. Boy, is she sorry. Yeah. Oh my God. I can't believe, like, I can't believe she's still having a season. Wow. Where did you you see that? Like, um, a Facebook comment. (laughs) Okay. But it felt like it was real. Okay. I, I mean, I mean, they still need to cast. It takes time. So I, I think it makes sense that Claire would go first. They wouldn't disrupt the order of like bachelor, bachelorette, bachelor, bachelorette. And I think what I read was fair. Okay. I, I think that that sounds fair as well. I'm very much looking forward to Matt's season. Um, and can't wait. Can't wait till and my and my heart is with Mike Johnson. Like I'm sure when that you know when people were starting to have these conversations, he probably thought like it's gonna happen. Yeah, and it didn't. Maybe he didn't want it. Maybe he didn't want it. Oh, see, I like how we don't even consider that. Like no one wouldn't want it. Um, but that's possible. Sometimes people don't want it. Maybe he's like done with the franchise. You know, he's yeah, he's done Paradise. He did The Bachelorette and. Maybe it's exhausting. Out. Maybe he's in a relationship. Oh, that's a good call. You know, there's always yeah. like, th- there's probably a lot of things we don't know. Okay. Speaking of relationships. No, no story. Don't say it. Some heartbreaking news. This is my heartbreak song. Kelly Clarkson files for divorce from her husband, Brandon Blackstock. Kelly Clarkson really is Miss Independent now. Oh, that is um, so mean throwing her lyrics in her face. The singer has filed for divorce from her husband of nearly seven years, talent manager Brandon Blackstock. The Blast reported on Thursday. She filed to end her marriage on June 4th. Clarkson and Blackstock are the parents of two children. Surprisingly, the song just revealed on her talk show in May that she wanted to have more children, but said her husband did not feel the same way. He also has two um, kids with his ex. They wed in 2013. They recently put their California mansion on the market, and she previously listed her Tennessee home. Reps did not get back for comment. I'm going to go ahead. I'm blaming it on the queue. I'm blaming it on the queue. They were quarantined in Montana in, like, a house with one bathroom, and I, I, for some reason, this news didn't surprise me, but, like, when you file for divorce in June of 2020 – quarantine brought you there no see i think that quarantine is going to take down a lot of couples but i don't think it's going to take down as many marriages with kids like they're just they were so much more 
to lose. And I don't think you throw something like that away, a family. I don't think you do that over quarantine. I mean, there are blinds. And if you want to know what the blinds say, it's that he was cheating and, on her. And that's why when I read the news, like the blinds have always been in the back of my head. But I just, you know, the song, the lyrics to Piece by Piece, like that was about oh God, him. Like, you can't write a song about someone that's like Piece by Piece and then not be with them mm-hmm. forever. And then get divorced. I will never leave her like you left me. And she will never have to wonder her worth. Because unlike you, I'm gonna put her first. And you know, he'll never walk away. He'll never break her heart. He'll take care of things. He'll love her. Honestly, if you've never seen Kelly Clarkson on the American Idol season finale, um, like five years ago, singing piece by piece when she's nine months pregnant and getting so emotional, like, go pause this show, type into YouTube, Kelly Clarkson piece by piece, and watch how Keith Urban is sobbing. Like, it's the best performance ever. And I'm really, I'm devastated. I mean, hopefully this breakup will like have her tap into that piece of her heart that wrote piece by piece because she's like yes. so devastated and hopefully we'll get that'll be like the only silver lining here but i'm just curious if he's a talent manager is he her manager it, they didn't say her manager he said a talent manager yeah but honestly if he's her manager he's doing a phenomenal job she is everywhere these days i feel like she's tapping into all of her strengths like just it, within her personality being a voice judge being a talk show host like she like she feel just, like she's found her place in Hollywood. I completely agree, which is why as much as this story makes me sad, I feel like Kelly is the best Kelly we've ever seen. And if that means that she's getting divorced and I think that, and she filed for divorce, like this is what's best for her. Now I'm sure Brandon Blackstock is a nice man, but like my heart is with Kelly and whatever Kelly needs is what I support. So if Kelly needs a divorce, I'm here for it. No, we are totally siding with Kelly. Yeah, we're siding with Kelly on this one. She gets us in the divorce. Yeah. Um, I just like couldn't believe it, but I also I feel like Kelly Clarkson is doing great. Yeah, no, she'll so be fine. This it, is honestly, like a symptom. This is a symptom of her doing great, you know? Yeah, but I was genuinely surprised because I haven't really read the blinds in a while and I had never read anything about them. And there are just some people where you don't really like think of their marriages. They're just like solid and that that's a fact of life. And mm-hmm. for her for me, she was one of those people where it's like her marriage was solid and that's a fact of life. And then when it just like was so publicly like in front of my face, like they're broken up. I was, I was first, like my, my, my first emotion was just like sheer shock. Yeah. Same. Blame it on the queue. Okay. Like I have the itchiest back. This is disgusting. I need to take my comb. Ooh. Ooh. Honestly, having a scratch on your back is one of the most annoying things ever. Oh my God. Oh my god. Why don't you have Ben scratch it? So Has good. he been scratching it for you? He scratched. I have like a little bit of like a sunburn on my back. If you scratch your back, you need to you scratch need to mine. mine. You need to get yours. I need to get mine. So scratch. DJ, DJ, come on, bring it. Just scratch. We were just talking about that. Um, do you guys remember? You had that an itchy season? back. Oh, whoa. do you guys remember that season of Kardashians when Kim, I mean, Chris like pretends she's going to start managing like other clients and she manages this girl group called BG5 and she's like in the studio listening to them sing that song. Scratch. DJ Bean and Romina just scratch. Oh, wow, that was like iconic. I wonder what ever happened to the Beach Girls 5. I wonder what happened. I don't know. Um, but speaking of bands, 
Lady Antebellum officially shortens their name to Lady A. Quote, we are sorry for the hurt this has caused. Lady A put out a statement yesterday of revealing that they have officially changed the name of their band, which evoked a painful time in U.S. history. They said, as a band, we have strived for our music to be a refuge inclusive of all. We've watched and listened more than ever these last few weeks, and our hearts have been stirred with conviction. Our eyes open wide to the injustices, inequality, and biases Black women and men have always faced and continue to face every day. Now, blind spots we didn't even know existed have been revealed. After much personal reflection, band discussion, prayer, and many honest conversations with some of our closest Black friends and colleagues, we have decided to drop the word antebellum from our name and move forward as Lady A, the nickname our fans gave us almost from the start. Well, this is obviously the right choice because who wants like a name that reminds people of like a racist, racist time in history? But also, I just think that Lady A is a better name. Yeah, I mean, this it's it's time. Honestly, I didn't realize until recently that antebellum meant before the war. I thought antebellum was more of a geographical location, like south of the Mason-Dixon line. And oh, um, I thought that it was um like someone's last name. Like yeah, Lady Antebellum, so Lady Ashray. I feel like right now everyone is kind of going through some of the things that are in our society right now that have these connotations from slavery, the Civil War, like the NASCAR just banned all Confederate flags from their racetrack, which I think was an amazing decision. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think this is a logical step for them. I think Lady A is a cute name. Of course, I think some fans are still like, but the A stands for antebellum. Um, I guess that's a good point. Maybe it could stand for something else. Lady Awesome. Yeah. And that's what we call them. We've called them Lady A forever. Things are changing. Did you see? And we just spoke about it, but I guess this is conversations that have been had for a really long time around Band-Aids. Yes. Band-Aids announced yesterday, Band-Aid brand announced yesterday that they're going to have like four or five shades of skin tones for their Band-Aids, which is long overdue, but a step in the right direction. Yeah. So um, proud of Lady A and I think it's great news. Yeah, and I don't think it's really going to change, like, their fandom or their vibe. Like, they've always been Lady A. No, but it's just going to change, like, the way some people might have felt about hearing that word antebellum, like, celebrated. Of and, course. like, that gave them a pit in their stomach. Totally. So I think it's a great move. Next story, a little quarantine update from the Culpo McCaffrey house. Um, this week, after t- 93 days living with her in-laws, Olivia Culpo returned to LA with her sister, with her, her man, and with Christian's mom. Did Christian's dad go? No. So I this told- gives- Christian's dad was definitely was not over here having it. these people. Christian's dad was not here for the quarantine crew, and this um, this whole development in the story really gives air to that theory um I think like Lisa McCaffrey just like loves live and they're going to LA they're gonna be some LA scenes and Christian yeah, they want to like, get I need some space I feel like the mom like lives for the celebrity life and she like definitely loves Olivia um and they want to like go to Craig's and get like paparazzi which I'm just I'm, I'm living for for Lisa but Lisa also lost her suitcase on the flight did you see and she's going through Olivia's closet, like, wearing her stuff because Delta lost her suitcase. Wait, they took a commercial flight? That's really the sh- big shocker here. I would have 100% yeah, assumed actually. they flew private. Ooh, tough times in the just, uh, McCaffrey-Copo household. Christian McCaffrey just signed a $64 million contract. Jealous. 
and they flew commercial and his mom's bags got lost. You know, really, stars, they're just like us. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like some things are the great equalizer. That was like coronavirus. Like, no matter how famous you are, like, you could still get it. And you know what? Losing commercial airline, like, baggage is the great equalizer of our time. It happens to everyone. It happens to everyone. But, like, that's actually really crazy that it happened. Like, I'm sure that... They there was probably, nobody on the flight. There was nobody on the plane. They probably flew like sky priority at the very least, either like Delta Comfort or first class. And you usually get that like yellow ticket on your bag. And there's no one on the plane. Like where did her bag go? That's not acceptable. Crazy. Honestly, it's a little fishy. Yeah. Like that's really crazy. <laughs> Things aren't adding um, up. But she also came home. I'm like obsessed with their just family and um she came home and she had done all these renovations on her house because she had just moved in and so she was like giving us all a house tour and can i say something controversial sure like i love olivia colpo when she was doing her instagram stories like before and after of the renovation that she did did like let's say she did 10 instagram stories like nine out of ten of them i liked what was there before better she replaced like chandeliers and plants and i'm like the other ones are better it's like super modern i don't know what that style of houses i don't know anything i think it's like modern farmhouse yeah it's like dorit kemsley's house that was described as a modern farmhouse so now everything's a modern farmhouse and <laughs> um I, yeah i mean it's i don't know that that's what i would have done but she probably would hate what i would have done so yeah no it's you know interior design is very specific i was just saying like it wasn't my favorite okay i love judging people's like million dollar homes from like my rented apartment you know yeah are you using a comb to go through your eyebrows yeah, no, I'm just like the same part of doing. Just used to scratch your back. My back is so itchy; it's really not fair. You got to get the uh, Chemin's little paws in there. I know. Oh, I actually wish Theo could scratch my back, like finally make himself useful. Totally. Okay, are you ready for our fifth and final story? That will be a great that was segue. So fast. In- I know we just breeze through. Um, it'll be a great segue into our TV recap segment because Tinsley Mortimer will not return to the Real Houses of New York. This is her fairy tale ending. So after a lot of con- questions surrounding her engagement, her move to Chicago, what is she going to do for Real Houses of New York? They have made it clear that she is bidding farewell to the Big Apple and to Verhoney. Tinsley will not return to Roni. The reality star bid farewell to New York with an Instagram post on Thursday night. Additionally, the show wrapped up her storyline. She was on Watch What Happens Live. And he said it's her last um, time on Watch What Happens Live. So her journey as a Bravo celebrity is over. And I just have to say, like, I really respect the hell out of the fact that she chose love over fame and, and celebrity. Yeah, I feel many different ways about this. First, I feel... Um, confused that they didn't make it more of a storyline. Like, even though she left amicably, whenever, like, when a housewife leaves mid-season, like, it's always a big deal. Like, I don't know why it wasn't really treated like that. It seems like she left within a matter of days. There was no time to make it a big deal. Yeah. I mean, it did happen really fast, but now we're living in the future. We know that, like, they do actually get engaged and she fully moves to Chicago. So, like, it's all good and fun. Um, So while I'm, while I'm, like, happy for her, and, like, sad that she's leaving the show. I'm so grateful. We're never going to have to talk about her relationship again. Like, Dorinda's going to have to find someone else to bully. Like, of course, they were losing a castmate. It's sad. But, like, what Tinsley brought to the table was really nothing. And, honestly, her vibe elevated the show. But her storylines, like, really brought it down, like, for the last two seasons. So I'm, I'm glad we're never going to have to hear about it again. Okay. I, I agree with you for the most part. But there were a few things that I thought 
that I really liked about her. First of all, the last conversation that they had about Scott, and I think it was really Leah who turned the tide when they were at the tea party. And she was like, I saw Scott and honestly it was great, but like, I don't want to talk about it because I know it's not going to end well. And they were like, if you love him and it's great, like go be with him, like go get your man. Like, and I think that was the first time her friends have ever encouraged her to be with Scott. And I think that that, like that just one moment of encouragement changed her mentality that was like, oh, I don't have to punish myself every time I like feel something for Scott. Like maybe I could just embrace it and see where it goes. Cause clearly he feels something for her too. And they have a nice relationship. I also will say last night on Watch What Happens Live, Andy asked her, what do you think like you'll be remembered for from Real Housewives? And her answer kind of stunk like, cause she didn't get it out right. But what she was trying to say is like, she never bullied anyone. Like she was never mean to anyone for no reason. Like she never got caught saying something that like she had to apologize for. Cause she, like she wasn't mean. And I think in the realm of Real Housewives, like that's an accomplishment. Well, you could call it an accomplishment or you could call it boring. No, but like, I think it's, that's I mean, like, really the lowest hanging fruit is just to like, be like Dorinda and dismiss people and, and say mean things that are funny. But Tinsley like was never mean to anyone. And I like, she just, I think that that's kind of cool. Yeah, no, it's very cool. But I, I actually think it will um, result in her not necessarily being remembered, period. And I honestly think that Tinsley will be remembered like the worst phase of her life was- Big paralyzed. Apple Circus. No, no, no. Like the, these four years or three years, like were probably the lowest points in her life between moving to Palm Beach and getting engaged to Scott. And like, that's all we know of her. Yeah. But what she was saying on the show before she left is like all, and she didn't say it like this, but like the shitty time I've had, you know, lowballing it on this reality show got me to where I am now. So like, I'm grateful for it. It's like, you can't have, you know, any success in life without some adversity. Yes, I agree. And ultimately like she could have been like, oh, I moved to Scott. I'll move to Chicago, but my life in New York. And she could have gone back and forth on the decision for months and been even more annoying. But she, she made a decision and I respect decision makers, you know? Same, like, no, you and it was the right decision. It was the right decision. I really am happy for her. I'm happy that she got her fairy tale happy ending. Um, and I like the way that her story wrapped up, even though she is annoying. No, she's not even annoying. She's just boring. So I'm grateful. And that's how I have felt like a lot of the season so far is just boring. And I have to assume it has something to do with the most boring castmate, her. So I just am looking forward to maybe a more fruitful season without her. Like we're just not going to be sidetracked by these dumb conversations between her and Dorinda. I don't know because now they showed the previews for the next few weeks and, um, I, now I think Tinsley, like her role had become like being like kind of a sidekick to Leah and like them just having like a really good strong friendship. And so the two of them can kind of like bring the other women to sort of, I don't know. Stay Leah's on her sort own. Of. Leah's on her own. And for that, I will miss Tinsley. Yes. Um, but let's dive into New York Housewives because it was actually a very good episode and it's become like a trend on Housewives to like have the women on Halloween get scared and like film each one of their reactions and it's literally my favorite thing in the world. Like they did it at Kyle's Halloween party last year and now they did it outside Blood Manor. By the way, I've never heard of that place. Me neither. Dorinda said sometimes it was an institution. I, sometimes I watch this show and I'm like, I don't even live in New York City. Totally, but I kind of want to go to Blood Manor. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to like um, feel something. So that night when they go out to Blood Manor and then they go out to the tequila bar, Anejo, which like was just killing me. Like I wanted to be there so fucking badly, like fighting with my friends and having drinks. Um, Dorinda really um, 
she exceeded my expectations, you know? And I find her doing that every episode. Like, just when you think she can't say anything more fucked up than the last episode, she asks Tinsley if she needs her turkey baster. Are you going to try and have a baby? Like, my jaw hit the floor. Like, just when I thought she couldn't go any lower, she says probably the most fucked... And, I, and I've said this now three times about her this season, but that is the most fucked up thing I've ever heard on Housewives. Yeah. Also, like, they were cool. And finally... Dorinda was getting what she wanted, which was for Tinsley to admit, Tinsley to admit that she's with Scott. And like the fact, and Tinsley said it a million times, but it's so true. It's like, you only want to hear about it when you know that I'm miserable. And when I'm actually happy, you don't want to hear about it because you don't care about me. Yeah. And I'm on this struggle bus with Dorinda this whole season between like literally thinking she's the most evil person in the world. Like some of the shit that comes out of her mouth, like I can't even fathom how someone could think something so evil about their friend. Um, but then also she has these like really endearing moments. Like when she got up from that horrible dinner um, at Tinsley's friend's restaurant and just like went home and I was like, yes, Dorinda, like that's what I would do too. Like sometimes like she really like speaks to me and then sometimes she's just so, so mean. I agree. I like that she got up and left dinner, but those moments are few and far between now compared to how mean she is and how much she takes out her stuff on other people. Yeah. And, and by the way, and I'm all for understanding that like she's definitely going through something like with the house and John, but her behavior and like taking it out on her friends is so far beyond like the, le- the line. Like she can't even see the line. It's yeah. just, it honestly, like it's horrible. Like I couldn't believe what she said about the turkey baster. Like it was the most, I don't even have a word other than mean. It was cruel. It was evil. Like I, who thinks like that? Yeah, she's so mean. And also, all of these women are, like, perpetually going through stuff, you know? Like, they're all not where they thought they would be at this stage in their lives. Yeah, it's no longer an excuse. No, it's no longer an excuse. And, like, open Um, up, share. Like, taking out, like, your personal shit on other people that is just, like, so 10 years ago. Um. Probably uh, my favorite part of the episode was when they went to the party planner's house in Long uh, Warehouse in Long Island. And Dorinda how do we know that she- person? Did he do? Um, he did Melissa, Melissa Gorga's? Gorga's party. Okay. Yeah, he's becoming like the um, residential uh, housewife party planner. When they were just chowing down on all of that candy, I was like, "This is incredible." No, when they were taking a picture at the end and Dorita was like, oh, I know why we're here. We drove an hour to be in a promo pic. Like, for sure, like, for their Instagram story, like, you know he's giving Marona a discount. Like, that is just so funny. And I loved that whole moment, like, of them in that terribly awkward, uncomfortable photo. Yeah, no, that was really funny. I agree. Um, That candy looks so good. Like, those tins of chocolate, like, chocolate-covered pretzels, like, the chocolate And and by the way, they they weren't letting uh, Sonia and Dorinda even talk. So, like, what else are they going to do besides eat? And they were, like, commenting on how much they were eating. It was, like, really bothering me. It was so funny. There was so much candy. What else are you going to do? No, it looked delicious. It really did. Um, Two things I wanted to note. Um, When Sonia went into Century 21 for the meeting and she was, like, so giddy and so excited, like, I actually felt really happy for her because, like, Sonia Morgan Brand, like, is having a hard time, like, getting off the ground. And Century 21 is, like, just what she needed. And so when the guy was, like, talking to her and she was, like, literally trying not to, like, jump for joy, it was so cute. Yes. I'm loving, Um, I'm loving Sonia. Yeah, she's, like, flip-flopping a lot. Like, sometimes she's so right and then she just takes the wrong side because she, like, wants to be on, like, Dorinda's side. I don't understand her sometimes. Yeah. Um, the last thing I wanted to say is like Ramona 
it's like obviously listening to all the call her daddy drama because she's in the car like with this guy on the phone with some guy that she's dating and she's calling him boatman and she like obviously wants to have like a mysterious suit man type of fella and it's like boatman's just like not it and then was that guy who showed up at t-bar boatman oh i don't know but oh my god the t-bar scene was making me like salivate with wanting to go for drinks and and the pizza the pizza I was literally salivating also when she was talking to Bowman I thought she was just like on like a logistical call about like a guy for a boat so I didn't even know that was meant to be romantic (laughs) oh no she was trying to be like Carrie Bradshaw big you know like it was just not working no I didn't even register it that's how little it was working um Okay. Yeah. Agree. Oh, I want to talk about Luann and her show and Sonia because Luann like really leans on Sonia for like some comic relief in her show. And at first I was like, okay, cool. Like people love Sonia. You get it. Like you're going to incorporate her into the show, but like, she's not paying Sonia. I thought that Luann said she was. And then Dorinda said, I mean, uh, Sonia said she wasn't. So I don't know who to believe. I feel like I'm going to believe the person who is or isn't getting paid. Like, and that's Sonia. Well, so I think Sonia, Sonia said she pays for half of my glam. So I feel like the paycheck that she gets is like, let's say Dorinda's, let's say Sonia's glam is $500. Luann pays her a paycheck of $250. So technically like she's getting paid, but it doesn't even cover her cost of like showing up to the place. Are you joking? That's insane. Luann already has hair and makeup there that she's paying for. Sonia's hair and makeup should be free. And then Sonia gets paid on top of that to like strip and make a fool out of herself for Luann's show and like do all of this heavy lifting. That is, and I would understand if it was just like one show in New York, Sonia's going to be a special guest. Like you don't pay people. No, but it's the tour. But to go, like that is truly the craziest thing ever. Oh, and she still has to pay for half of her makeup. Right. I mean, I don't know. This tour, I guess, should have been going on right now or like coming up. It's obviously getting delayed. And I don't know if it ended up working out between Sonia and Luann, but I'd be very interested to see. Also, them auditioning those um, comics was funny. Like, like to, to audition for stand-up is like so brave, but to do it on a TV show is like even braver. I liked, you never know I how thought- they're going to edit. I thought they Me were too. Really good. Yeah. But you never know how they're going to edit you. Like at, at Luann's past event, like they gave the comics a rough edit. Like they might've been funny, but in the edits, they surely weren't. So I thought they were very gracious to these comedians. Yeah. I really liked it. I just hope that like Sonia gets paid fairly because that bothered me. And also when Luann went to um, lunch with that guy who's like directing the show, um, they were just talking so like disparagingly about Sonia. And it's about, it's like, you're about to like put your show on her back, not pay her and like talk shit about her. Fuck that. That guy is like living for the moment, you know, like this is everything for him. (laughs) I know. So we have to give him a little grace. Yeah. We didn't talk about Leah, but once again, Leah is just like everything I need in a housewife, in a human being. She needs no explanation. No. And whenever it's her versus anyone else, like I'm on Leah's side. Me too. She's just like, it's weird when she gets so out of control because when she's herself, like she is the most like to the point, well-spoken, articulate. And I get why she feels the need to release. And it's just so hypocritical. These women like acting so ghastly at her behavior when like them, them in Newport in the middle of a restaurant with the fruit and the hitting on the random guys, like that was so abhorrent. The fact that anyone could think that that was even close to what Leah was doing in a field with her friends with no one else around. Like they're just, they're the hunchbacks who can't see their own hunches. No, that was so crazy. And like, I get it. Leah's behavior is extreme. Sure. And maybe if she was like in a, a different situation, like you could call her out on it, but like 
for Ramona to be like, we're embarrassed by you when it's like, you're the most embarrassing person ever. Horrifying. Horrifying. And I think that's why Leah's so upset. I remember a few weeks ago, there was all that Instagram drama. I feel like Ramona has tried to perpetuate like this stigma of Leah from filming to after that she's quote unquote embarrassing. Like Avery was posting that on her Instagram. Like, mom, you're associated with this. So embarrassing. When it's like, Leah is not embarrassing. And I'm sure she's getting annoyed that everyone keeps calling her that. Ramona is embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad we're on the same page. Great. Um, Hidden figures. Oh, yes. Oh, I totally forgot. Um, and I also have one more thing before we dive into Hidden Figures. Um, did you see that today Netflix released a 25-minute Dave Chappelle special? I saw that briefly, but I haven't seen, like, I haven't watched it, obviously. So I don't know if it's on, um, like, Netflix app. I'm sure it is, but I watched the whole thing on IGTV, and it's so funny because, like, a few days ago, me and Ben were just, like, talking about the current state of the world and, like, the Black Lives Matter movement, and I'm like, you know what? Like, I really would be curious to hear what Dave Chappelle has to say because he's, like, such a powerful voice in the Black community, and he's always, like, making just, like, fire points in, like, these funny roundabout ways, and I'm like, too bad we'll never hear from him because he just, like, doesn't he doesn't have social media. He like does a special once a year and then he goes back to his house in Ohio. But I guess he felt compelled to release something and I won't spoil it for anyone. I'll just say like, it wasn't funny. Like it was serious. Like, it, I don't even know if you could call it a comedy special because I oh, laughed really? like three times. It was just like, he's very impassioned and he's angry and it was very, very well done, but it's really not like funny. Okay. I'm going to watch it, but that's, I would have assumed it was like a comedy special, but it's just- Yeah. But so they like filmed it outdoors with, um, they showed you in the beginning like how they got everyone ready. Everyone had to wear masks. All the chairs were six feet apart. They took everyone's temperature when they arrived. It was really like a crazy, what he was talking about was like so crazy and like the show itself, like the circumstances were so crazy. Um, I think everyone should watch it. It was really, really good. Okay, cool. We'll do. We could recap it on Monday. Um, but now for Hidden Figures, which I watched last night. So did you. It was your first time seeing it. What did you think? I mean, this was my face the whole movie. Ready? Like, everything was just so fabulous. Um, I don't even know where to start. I thought, like, the the vibe of the movie was, like, so everything. You know, like, the music right, like and the, their outfits. Like, the music their, and their outfits literally just, like, the way it, – it's a historical movie based on a real book. And so you right. think, like, a history movie you don't associate right. with, like, just being so fun. fabulous. Yeah. I just loved the three women. Like, I couldn't decide who was my favorite. Like, was it Dorothy or was it Mary? Like, everyone, I was just, like, living for all of them. Um, and you know what? It's, I was thinking, I'm like, why is this movie so good? And it's, like, that genre of movie where it's, like, this really happened, but, like, nobody talks about it. And it's so unbelievable, A, that it happened, and B, that nobody talks about it, that the movie is so good. It kind of reminded me, similar to, like, Argo, like, this is so unbelievable. It actually happened, but nobody knows about it. So it's yeah, like that I, type I of genre. Seen, I haven't seen Argo. It's very upsetting, honestly. Like I know, it's just pit the whole time. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, that type of genre, genre, I agree. Um, it's so amazing to like watch a story that it's amazing. And then you find out it's a true story. That's how we felt about our Redheads book this month. Um, but I want to talk about something because I had seen some comments on our Instagram and then I looked into it that there's um, – some controversy with the movie because it has a white savior in it. So the character that Kevin Costner plays did not exist in real life. I think it might've been a composite character or just someone that the studio added. And there are two like key moments where he's, you know, the white savior and they didn't happen. The first the moment is the bathroom. And it turns out that Katherine Johnson just used whatever bathroom that she wanted. So like that whole bathroom storyline, um, 
wasn't real and wasn't necessary. And I think, I guess they put it in to like make white people like look good and feel better about themselves, which is just like so unnecessary. And also just as a history person, I hate when there's a true story and they add elements that are untrue for absolutely no reason that nothing that like moves just for no reason. Like, I just think that that's historically irresponsible. Um, and then the second thing, oh, when, um, when she comes back to watch Glenn Powell go to the moon, um, John Glenn, John Glenn Powell to circle the earth. Um, she actually, and then like Kevin Costner opens the door and lets her in. That didn't happen. So it's just like another white savior moment. She watched it from like her desk. She didn't watch it from inside the room. So it's just like these moments that I guess I was reading about an article about it there and intended to like make white audiences just feel better about the story, um, which is disappointing because it's just unnecessary. Like it, the story's not about him whatsoever. Like we are here to like watch these, these three women make history. No, what's frustrating about it is, like, the story was obviously unbelievable enough for it to be made into a movie. Like, why do you have to add all these narratives? And, you know, I knew going in that Kevin Costner's character wasn't real, so I didn't really connect with him. I was just, like, thinking, I'm like, I wonder what actually happened. Like, why was this necessary? And honestly, her using whatever bathroom she wanted is such a better, more powerful storyline. Like, I'm so upset, and I... It's just, it's so unnecessary. Like, if a movie's good enough, if, if the story itself is good enough to make it to a Hollywood studio, like, leave it alone. Right, and I do think that when you're saying something is based on a book, like, you should stick to that as much as possible. Um, because you, like, I, I don't like when historical, and we talked about this, I don't know if we talked about this privately or on the show with Hunters and the controversy with that show. We about spoke about that on the show. Like, adding things to a historical show or film that didn't actually happen and it, it it takes away i think that it takes away and and it leaves the audience um wrong about what actually happened and it like leaves the whole narrative up for interpretation when certain elements aren't true and it like devalues the the message and the storyline and it's just it's so unnecessary like it her like not only was them adding that bathroom narrative so unnecessary the truth is actually more interesting yes i completely agree so that would that's be very my, disappointing. Yeah, that that's like um, something from the movie that I didn't like. But overall, I absolutely love the movie. And I, to me, it's it's about the three women. Like whether Kevin Costner opened the door or didn't open the door. Like these women were so incredible. When honestly, I've seen this movie before. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, but when when it ended and they were showing like, and I also got my period yesterday. But when they were showing like the true stories and the pictures, I was crying and I had like, full body chills. And like it was, it's such an amazing story. There were two moments that real, actually three moments that really really struck me. First of all, when she came home from such a long day at NASA and Mahershala Ali was there and cooked her dinner with her family and asked her to marry him, like I just about died like it was I wish when we had gotten it seemed like they had just met so like I wish we got like a little bit more of like their time together because it seemed like they met at that at the church lunch and then got engaged but I'm sure that there was more to it than that the second thing that like really like shook me completely was when um Janelle Monae fought in court to uh be able to take classes at the all-white school and she gets it and she like walks out of the courtroom and she's just like jumping for joy screaming it was just everything of the sort like I was literally like I was Ben was like are you okay I was in my tent I'm like yes I'm like get it yes like I was just living for it and then also the third moment was the credits um 
I just, that's my favorite part of like most historical movies is like seeing the pictures in real life and like what they accomplished after the movie quote unquote ends. Um, and it was just really, really powerful stuff. And it's just so crazy how it's like these three women like are responsible for like the greatest accomplishment in American history. And up until this movie came out, like nobody knew that and nobody was talking about it. They were hidden figures. Duh. Yeah. Um, so also, I hope- Jim Parsons has become this like token actor for like the terrible person. Like he was that person in the pol- uh, Hollywood. No, in Hollywood on Netflix, yes. and I just fucking hated Paul, his character. Like I just wanted to punch him. He wasn't that smart. Catherine was smarter than him, and he just like thought he was so great because he was a white man, and he he was just like the symbol. I don't know. Was his character real? Oh. I don't know. I don't think so. He, but he was the symbol of, you know, the, like... He represented all that was wrong in the country at the time and yes. specifically in NASA. Yes. And Octavia Spencer was just, like, like, the mother of the girls. And she was, like, when everyone was getting their assignments, and like, she couldn't get that fucking supervisor role because Kirsten Dunst was being a bitch. Like, I was just, like, feeling for her so hard. But she said something so powerful in the car. She's, like, I'm happy that you guys got your permanent... Um, positions because like uh, a step forward for you guys is a step forward for all of us and like she was just really like she was a team player but she got it at the end like she got that supervisor role for the IBM machine and I was just like living for her no living for her it's amazing yeah I can't believe I've I never seen it. that it's movie. such a good movie it's I don't know such if we're a doing, good movie I don't know if we're doing like toast movie of the week ratings but that gets a five out of five yeah no it's as good actually as it, gets. it gets a 4.8 for the white savior bullshit like come on yeah that's true. Um, okay, cool. Well, that's all she wrote. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Morning Toast, the Millennial Morning Show, where we go live Monday through Friday, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. So if you're watching us on YouTube, please feel free to subscribe and give this video a thumbs up. We're also available as a podcast anywhere podcasts can be found. So that's Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Public Radio, iHeartRadio, CastBox, all the places. So wherever you listen to podcasts, find us, Morning Toast, and leave a five-star review about how beautiful, stunning, and smart we are we love you guys so much have a fabulous weekend and just have a drink bye have a great weekend bye